hello and welcome to another mini-ep, or as I like to call them, a mooj bouche of uh, Show Me Something Wrong. And today is a very, very special episode because not only uh, am I talking with co-host, director, Dave Jackson of Cat Sick Blues fame, but also a very special guest, the cat man himself, Mr. Matthew C. Vaughan. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you for having me, Guy and Dave. What a privilege. <laughs> what a privilege to, to meet the Mooge Booge boys. <laughs> That's what they call us. <laughs> so, Matt, you already endured houseboat horror with us, but we thought you we'd keep you around for this uh, little mini episode. Oh, no problem at all. It was so super fun. So, with the... Um with Cat Sick Blues getting a beautiful release in Japan, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to shoot you guys some questions about all things Cat Sick related and some not. Um, so bear with me. I've got a few. Some very general <laughs> questions, some, some not. Okay. But I mean, I've heard a lot about this film and production from Dave previously, but I don't think I've actually heard about how you two first met and came together so what is the story of how you two met first and foremost I, I, I don't know how far you want to go back but during the sort of mid two, 2000s we were studying at the same university and we were in the same building um, I was studying uh, professional screenwriting this is at RMIT Dave I can't, I can't remember what your course was called but you're like a floor above me yeah, it was called screen screen production. I think was the name of it, or something like that. Yeah, screen brackets film and TV probably doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same course that James James won and Lee Winnell did. Were they in your class? They were not in my class. No. <laughs> in my in my in my class, not only was my my, my now now wife in it, um, uh, Sean Grant. The 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 uh, writer of like Snowtown, Snowtown. Oh, movies, really? Um, and the, you know a heap of other stuff. Um, uh, also Nick Verso as well. But uh, yeah, so there were a bunch of people who uh, were doing that course. Then sorry, that was a very very long backstory. Anyway, we we're in the same building. We had a mutual friend um, who and he um, introduced us. At a is that right, Dave? I have a very strong memory of the first time meeting you because I used to live in this absolutely fucked share house which you can see in catsick blues it's the francis house where he hangs himself at the end but i lived there for like years and years and i remember our mutual friend he was a housemate of mine and he brought over matt and matt's now wife uh, greta came over and i remember meeting you for the first time we had this back room so we had our house and then there was like another room just outside like a, a separate kind of building almost. And it was um, it was just like the bong room, basically. <laughs> so I remember meeting you in that, that room for the, the first time. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a party, right? No, I think you just came, you came over like, uh, yeah, uh, the housemate Troy. had brought you guys over and, and introduced you. Yeah, Troy. I became a fan of Dave's work um, independently. Uh, through Troy, I found his uh, Dave's uh, 
some YouTube videos that he did. There was one particular video that st- stood out in mind. It was, um, I can't remember the exact title, but it was, it had, I think it had Richard Datsun in it. And he was, uh, it was like Simpleton pieces, uh, Pisses His Pants. <laughs> No, it was it was Tom Thomas Kinsman in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, was that was that what it was called? Simpleton. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I've not seen this one. I need I need to have a look at Simpleton pisses his pants. Yeah, so I I watched a few few things that Dave did. One particular one that stood out was this. Uh, Doritos had like a you, you know one of those competitions where like you make make an ad. For Doritos and the winner, you know, gets to go on TV or whatever. The dad gets to go on TV or, or and gets the prizes. And Dave entered it, but he he entered it probably with the most disturbing video that the, the, the selectees would probably have seen. They would have had to have watched it. Have I shown that to you guys? I've not seen it, but I'm definitely going to ask you about that later. It was me and Andrew who wrote Cat Sick Blues. We made this horrible Doritos ad where it's us smoking bongs on the couch and then just having this like kind of panic attack and eating Doritos, but we're like <laughs> vomiting them up and then re-eating them just and it's oh my and it's God. like shot we deliberately shot it as like chaotically as possible. And then the tagline at the end was uh Doritos taste tastes good second time round or something like that. <laughs> but then you do you remember the sequel as well, Matt? Or I, I did a sequel where it was, it was just me and it's uh me getting dumped by my girlfriend at the start and having this like mental breakdown and just like binge like just shoving all these like Doritos into my mouth and then I like run into the bathroom and I'm just shitting and vomiting at the same time and again like eating the vomit the the idea that like those people running that contest would have had to have watched those ads it's the only reason we made them. I'm surprised you're not on the Doritos blacklist by now. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Brilliant. yeah, that was the one, the se- sequel one. I saw, I had seen the first one, but I saw the second one first. Mm. And I thought, that's someone I want to work with. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, we ended up becoming friends through making comedy together. So we had uh, another mutual friend, Michael DeRobbio, had put together basically like a group of filmmakers and people interested in comedy uh, who would all make their own like individual, like little mini TV shows. And Mm. yeah, I did a show called with my friend Pierre called Fever Dreams. Matt, what was your first show? Was it Peep Jeep? Yeah, the Peep Jeep. Peep Jeep, yeah. So that was part of kind of like under the umbrella of this thing called Lost Dog TV with these like multiple shows. And the first time I think you were ever in anything I made, Matt, was in Fever Dreams, right? And you you were playing, you were kind of, strangely enough, you were dressed as a cat in it. Yeah, I was. It's yeah, like one of my yeah. favorite sketches, yeah. It's it's like these ghost hunters. You've probably seen it as well, guy. These ghost hunters going into this haunted house and they're like really fucking terrified looking for ghosts and then they hear something and open up the door and it's just Matt dressed as a cat, like vomiting up a furball. <laughs> And they're just cat, really cat. disappointed. Like, oh, it's just a fucking cat. <laughs> but I, was, I think that was the first time we made something together. I think, yeah, it was either that or the, um, the episode. It was like a Japanese guide to Australia. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. maybe that was the first time where you and my friend Brock, because we, we've done it, we did an episode and it's as, as if it's like a Japanese documentary about Australia. Yeah, I've, I definitely remember that one. Yeah, they're talking about the people's like hobbies in in Australia and one of them is fighting and it's just it's just <laughs> Matt and my friend Brock shirtless like in, the, in these white fronts that we'd stained yellow and just that, like, that was like fighting each other for me it was like wearing children's underwear like it was like <laughs> yeah. real, underwear was really tiny and really tight around my junk and my ass I mean, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, we made, you know, Dave, like, smeared me with, smeared me and Jock with, like, bl- like uh, mud and blood, and we were wrestling. Uh, it was just, like, a quick quick two shots. I, I pick up, like, Brock and, like, lift him over my head. <laughs> and then we wrestle, and, yeah. I think that was... A f- and I was so excited to be part of Fever Dreams. I've got to tell you, I loved it so much. And then every everything that we made after that, Either Dave was Dave would appear in it or help us out. Like you know, if we're making more comedy, we made we made it like a a sketch show um, for ABC, and Dave Dave directed all, all three episodes and and appeared in a couple as well. And then Dave Dave would put put me in 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 stuff that he knew. I mean, he had he has plenty of weird friends to put in things. Plenty of weird guys. Um, <laughs> I just ended up being. One of the weird guys that, uh, and and there's a, all these faces in Capsic Blues that have, that appear in Dave's stuff and and some some of, some of our stuff as well. So yeah, it's, uh, mm. yeah, we uh, became fast friends. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, so so Capsic was not the first time you guys came together. You had previous engagement before that. That's interesting. Uh, which leads me on to Capsic was originally shot as a short film now uh dave question for you is um what was the process of adapting that short into a feature and for matt were you initially involved in this short were you the Catman in that short or did you not come into the project until when it became a feature yeah i was in the short um at the Dave, you can you can uh, probably explain this better, but the short was it was originally like the opening to the film in the script. It was like the original original opening. Yeah, it was kind of a complicated process because we I had written that script like ages before. It you know it takes a long time to to make stuff right. So I'd written the script. I don't know what year it was, but around the time that we made the short film, but. Andrew and I had written a full feature length script and the idea was like this short film would be the first 10 minutes of the film, like the pre-title sequence. And yeah, so it was part of that feature script and then we shot it and a lot of things went wrong on that set. It was a very, very difficult shoot. It didn't really come out the way we'd hoped and I think because there was so much time after that shot, because then we had to raise the money for for the feature film, that we just kind of, the film kind of changed, like the script changed and what we wanted to do with the film changed. And even the cameras that we were shooting on had changed as well. So ultimately we decided it was, it couldn't really be 
the opening of the film, it didn't really fit anymore. So we wrote a new opening scene uh, for the movie. So yeah, it was meant to be part of the film, but then it just ultimately changed over time. Right. And I heard a story that, Matt, you were not originally cast as the Catman. Were you... um, Did you have a different role, like, on set or as a different character before it ultimately went to you? And then, for Dave, what what was the reason in ultimately casting Matt? I came on board... As a, as a producer. And because I've got a giant ego, I said, I'm not going to do this and, unless I'm in it. <laughs> no, I did. That's not what happened. I, I wanted to produce a feature film. I wanted to be involved. And I, I do like, you know, I really enjoy working with, with Dave. And, and, and I, I think we, we do come from different places, but we do cover the same ground in some of the stuff that we make. You know, we both were making like, comedic nightmares basically <laughs> these shorts or or web series and and um but i really i really liked like the dave is obviously he's a better technician than i am better better filmmaker um and you know i'm, I'm i might be you know might might have better writing skills i don't know but it's like we have different we have different skills and and i just wanted to be a part of like a feature film and i wanted to be a part of dave's feature film and Dave sent me the one, a first draft or a second draft of the, the Cat Sick Blues uh, feature script. And as a producer, I gave him, and it wasn't like set in stone yet that we're going to, that I was going to be a producer or, or whatever, or whatever that form of the script was going to get filmed. But anyway, I gave, I read the script, I gave him notes. There was very, very detailed notes. I was working in a bookstore at that time. Uh, Dave came in. Is, and we went out for lunch and we were talking about the note, notes. And, and I said to him, he, Dave was talking about this, another actor who you would, you would approach to, to be in it. Um, and he, Dave wasn't, he was, he was, he was unsure about if he was, if it was the right, the right person or the other, or the person, the actor didn't really, but I, to me, it was like he didn't have his, he wasn't on the same wavelength of Dave. That guy as well, like he, when he read the script, he was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like he, he thought it was going to be a kind of hard boiled, true crime kind of style serial killer sort of thing. And then I guess he probably read the words cat dildo and was like, what the fuck is this? So yeah, he, he was kind of, yeah, as you say, on a different wavelength. <laughs> yeah. Mm. and you know it's completely fine but yes i said to dave you need someone like a weird like a weird guy in this in a role like someone who's like kind of off you know like kind of (laughs) you know and i said you know someone like me right and i didn't mean it as a suggestion i was just like (laughs) i was just like someone who's who has a weird present someone who's got like a can look like he has an odd body on screen you know like i'm quite tall and you know and Dave, Dave's silly face just lit up in that moment. And he was just like, that's, I don't know what he said, but he's like, that's a really good idea. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite a risk mm. to take probably for both of us. Because mm. um, at this point, you know, Matt, Matt had acted in, in stuff that I'd made, but it was mostly like shorter comedy sort of thing. So to take on the lead role in a feature film and... You know, the film's like a funny film, but it's not really 
the kind of comedy sort of stuff we were doing before it was uh yeah it was quite a risk uh, for both of us to, mm. <laughs> to do that i think for sure yeah i think along the way i my my acting and my um confidence in in performing got a lot better as the shoot went on i was able to lock into the character quicker there was a there was a bit of a problem with me getting to sort of all the physical stuff that's like you know all the violent stuff and I'd, it would take like a, a take or two longer than than Dave wanted but by the time we you know we're halfway through like I was getting it wasn't my fault that the um the scenes were being held up <laughs> any, any longer yeah <laughs> Now, did you have any like hesitation in accepting this role, like being portrayed as a as a essentially a cat man rapist with a giant dildo like this? I think that <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I'll do that with the material. Like it is pretty um, disturbing. It goes to very disturbing places. The film, and that was all in the script. And some sometimes, and it was kind of. There were some bits that were worse in the script as well. Um, so, yeah, I knew going in that this was a like a, a risky endeavor. Mm. Like I had to um, – and Dave, Dave would see this on set. Like I would when, – when it was time to wear the, um, the, cat, the cat dildo, I was getting um, – it wasn't my favorite stuff to film. Mm. And it was only – it was because I had to feel – what Ted the cat man was feeling and I didn't want to I wasn't ready to you know like you, you, I had to go into some dark places right mm. and so it's like naturally that I would have uh, um, I'd be hesitant to uh, uh, for those for those moments but um, yeah no for sure it, uh, there was a like a yeah like I did hesitate like with the, the content's pretty dark and I do you know I do work in like you know I write I have written for like kids TV, like animation and stuff. And, and there was like, okay, is this, uh, um, if this gets seen by wrong people, is this going to like impact my career? And is it going to impact Dave's career? Because I was also producing as well. And, you know, I want to, I want to protect the, myself, but I also want to protect my best mates as well, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that was all consideration. And, you know, I may have, been a bit deluded when I um, signed up thinking that I, I could do it or I was, you know, um, but I, I yeah, I, I, I got better and better as it, as it went along. You, you also, one thing I always find quite funny, probably the most fucked up thing in the film was Matt's suggestion. Oh yeah. So in, in the original script, there was no, I don't know if you remember the, the hostel scene, and it ends with uh, a death by the dildo. That was not, that was actually not in the script. I can't remember what it was originally, but I remember Matt, if you don't mind me telling this story. Yeah, yeah, go for it. You're like, it just, I think we should add this death in because you've got this dildo. It doesn't make any sense that nothing is done with it in the film. <laughs> so that, that got added in kind of close to the last moment. Like right before, yeah, we're getting props made, and because uh, that's why you, you came over, and we're like, that was one of the days we were going to, going over to the prop mm. guy, the main prop guy, um, Dita um, Barry, yeah, Dita Barry, D Dita Barry, who who lived near me, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, my, I suggested that because it's just like, well, if we're going to go with this premise, we should commit to the mm. the uh, commit to it. Mm. You know, and I just think that um, although it was, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, and the, the makeup looks amazing. No, it was, I watched Classic Blues today for the first time in maybe six years, mm. five years. Yeah, um, but yeah, I noticed that. I mean, that was really uncomfortable to watch but the the um i love how it's shot i love how it's edited i love the the effects and yeah that's an awesome the hostel scene hostel dorm scene it's mm. yeah the hostel scene is one that a lot of people talk about mm. it's almost like the 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 most famous or most memorable scene of the movie whenever there's like a review written or more often than not people bring up the amazing hostel scene um but i wanted to ask what was like both of yours favorite scenes to film or most like enjoyable moment to film and also like the moment where you thought fuck this i'm exhausted i'm hating this right now i think for for me the by far the best scene to film was actually the hostel scene because it was the last day of filming and i remember just everything worked on that day like previously we'd had issues with effects not not working yeah, my main memory of that day was like doing the big neck neck slit, which I had wanted. Mm. I really wanted to do. That was like the main effect that I wanted to do, and I wanted it to be really over the top and ridiculous, like huge. It was really hard to achieve that effect. It was actually supposed to be in a different part of the film, but it didn't work out. And when we did that scene, and the first time we did it, it didn't work. It was just like a little dribble, and I'm like, Ugh, I guess we're gonna have to fucking do something else for this scene again. And then the second time it just exploded and there's behind the scenes footage where you could see me watching it and just the delight on my face. <laughs> and I think cause it was the last day and like all the main crew was there. It was just like a very, yeah. very like very fun final day. So for, for me, that was, yeah, the most mm, memorable kind of nice day that we had. How about for you, Matt? What was your favorite thing to shoot? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I remember clearly I remember a lot of lot of the shoot, but yeah, that's the shooting the dorm scene was um, not only there was four there was four uh, stunts, four four effects. It's crazy to think of. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot to do in one shoot, isn't it? Mm. And we couldn't, we didn't have time. We we didn't have the budget to do it again. No, yeah, it was <laughs> just all of only them, right? that. Yeah, this is what I was saying before. Is that like as the process of making this film and for myself was I was getting better and better at locking into the character and being more um, uh, confident in my, my, my skills and stuff and, and I just remember I, I'm not going to stuff this up I'm going to get this like I wanted because if we couldn't do it again mm. you know we, we couldn't we, we couldn't do it again so I didn't want a reason for that not to work that um the reason would be me i didn't want that so i was just like i was really focused that day and uh yeah and pulled it off my i think my two of my um my favorite things were there was one day where we were filming and it was just um you dave and uh daniel cohen who's a, a really good friend of ours and he 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 was this um the main cinematographer of, of the whole film and we were filming it was just uh, the, the cat man was um, 
run in with uh, a, a cat carrier of body parts. Yeah. And um, we were filming in like a, you know, a, a, a drain, a sewer drain <laughs> in, in, uh, in West Brunswick. And um, that was really fun because it was just three of us. And it was like, no, even though it was really hard, like because the, the, the mask, it was hard to see out of when you were moving. Like there was only a tiny, tiny slit, so it was like hard to see. So I had to time out my, my movements, and I fell over a couple. I fell over in that dirty drain water, sewage water, a couple uh, once, and uh, I I tripped on another time. Like it was like it was pretty hazardous, wasn't it? And I I used your trip in the in the film as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hazardous, and I couldn't see as I'm running, so I had to like. <laughs> you know like sort of plan it out step it out and just like go for it if i fell over i was just going to keep running and keep doing it and keep you know the last moment is like chucking the cat canister in the in the sewer drain and that was a that was it was it was early morning maybe like yeah it's really early as the sun was rising and uh that i really love that sort of like cutting you know just that essential Central, you know, there was three of us, and we made made that scene, and it looks awesome on screen. And the other thing, the other, um, there was more of a sequence, but the other shoot that I, I loved was when we were shooting at the um, the asylum, uh, ex asylum in um, Ararat. And I loved, I loved like the atmosphere of this asylum, and like you know, it was. And, and um, all the all the weird extras you got from the town, <laughs> who still who still send us messages yeah. asking where, where, when are they going to be the next uh, Johnny Depp? Yeah, <laughs> they're all they're all like really into it. Yeah, they're yeah. really fun people, and it was like it was it was like strange, like you know, to film in like this uh, this place that obviously a lot of pain had existed in this place, and, and mm. you know. Um, and just like the makeup on on Shien, the the, the 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 actress who plays the um the, the female lead, um, and you know just all the, the like weird stuff, you know, seeing you know Dave getting uh, spat on with uh, black goo, um, you know the, the puppet, um, the puppet Patrick, you know all that stuff. I love that sequence, and I did, you know, that was a fun. We went away for the weekend, and we did it, and it was, you know, yeah, I really. Really enjoyed that stuff. For nice. me, the Dave, I think one oh, sorry. of... Oh, I was just going to okay. say, you, you asked about the, the worst day oh, yeah. as well. For, for me, by far, I, ne- I remember nearly having a panic attack when we filmed the... Not the hostel, but like the kind of club bit before the hostel. Still kind of the hostel mm. scene. Because kind of like the... It's kind of the opposite experience of what Matt was talking about with only, you know, three of us shooting that scene. This was like a scene with loads of extras. And it was really, even though it's a short scene, like really complicated. There were effects in that scene that we ended up cutting out of the film, which is crazy. Like the in the original cut, the Catman rips out the DJ's balls, like rips his balls out. <laughs> but then when I cut it, I'm like, it's just too silly. But like shooting that, we only had an insanely short amount of time and they're like if you don't get it done by here you're done like you like it's getting shut down so i remember just like my the whole way through the shoot like my heart just like fucking racing as we were shooting that and if you look at any photos of me 
behind the scenes on that day like my eyes are just like bulging with terror <laughs> that was the worst i hated that day so much it was yeah i nearly had a full-blown panic attack that day <laughs> i can only imagine how horrible it must be to direct an entire room full of people with that many extras yeah and we they, these were just guys that we just put an ad out for and it was like well if they show up they show up kind of thing and they were yeah it was it was intense yeah <laughs> that was it we i think we had four hours if I remember. Maybe even less, yeah. I It was two or, two or three hours, yeah. It was really short. And we had so much lighting to set up for it as well. It was, yeah, that was rough. I mean, there were, like, there were a lot of stressful days just because there, was, there were long days and, and, um, and sort of, um, I guess, the material that we were filming as well. The I think the hard, for me, one of the hard, hardest moments was... Uh, can I spoil the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah. No one's going to watch this before they watch the movie, right? What a stupid thing to do, <laughs> just watching behind the scenes. <laughs> so when Ted Ted dies, and um, I had to sit there for about two or three hours with my leg bent under my other leg <laughs> and, and, and fallen asleep like about 15 minutes into that, into yeah. that uh, 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 position, and it was at the very end of those shooting days, which were, were all the, sh- all the sh- um, scenes that were in Ted's home. Mm. And they, they were very long because we, we had a lot to film there and we had um, a lot of moving parts and a lot of like effects and lots of, um, we were a lot of crew as well. On, 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 but on the last day, we had all these cop extras mm. and a lot of them were like friends and, and, you know, and my wife Greta and my, and my brother and, and, you know, and other really good friends. And it was really emotional. <laughs> like for me, I remember like after, after I filmed the, the scene where I basically, yeah, you're like, I have a fit and die and, or, you know, die from a wound. I, I had a shower and I remember just bursting into tears in the shower. I was just overwhelmed from like the whole week. Mm. And that was probably the, that was the, probably the, the most emotional yeah. that I got. Yeah. That was a long week. But it was awesome. Oh, it was, it was great fun. I'd love like, I mean, we'd work till 2, 3 a.m. and have to be on set at 7. Yeah. You, know. you, you, I, you didn't sleep that whole week. Yeah, that was pretty fucked. <laughs> Speaking of like, um, you know, emotions and, and you, you know, your friends and family also being on the set. I mean, I know, Dave, like you filmed in your grandma's house. Um, your parents are in the film. So I know you were able to get a lot of personal details in there that are kind of now, you know, immortalized in this movie. But I wanted to uh, ask Matt if you were also able to, like, sneak any personal momentums or touches in there. A lot of, st- like, you know, um, Te- young Ted is played by my nephew, uh, who's now 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 a uh, fully grown man. Um, <laughs> and... and uh, yeah, young, t- and so his dad was played by my brother. So your brother is your dad in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the future. <laughs> um, who? What else? Oh, my, my, my brother's daughter. One of his daughters was in it, and then another nephew is in a cut scene, which is sort sort of like a a backstory of the Catman um, when he was younger, um, finding the. This is a, this is amazing. This this was the first scene that we filmed apart uh, apart from the short film that we didn't use for the um, feature. But this was a, the first scene was the, the trunk was it the trunk man? Yeah, it was yeah. like 
It's not in the end film. Yeah, it's cut cut out of the film. And and our mate John 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 Powell played um this this guy who had like eight nipples and he and he bursts out the trunk and he looks he looks amazing. <laughs> you said eight nipples. Yeah. Eight. Yeah, he's like a cat man. He's got like eight nipples. It's like a weird <laughs> kind of flashback dream sequence. We shot it on Super Eight as well. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like probably the most expensive sequence to shoot, and we cut it out of the film. <laughs> but. I mean, that's is that that that's on one of the releases. Yeah, I think it's on most of the releases. That deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I've not seen that scene yet, so I'll have to see that one. Um, Dave, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the picture of Patrick. The painting. Yeah, the painting. Very intense close-up cat with his tongue out because <laughs> yeah. I feel that's such a kind of iconic image of the film. I think it also got used as like a a slipcase for a recent release. And I was wondering if there are any like interesting stories behind this painting yeah that was um so the cat that is the adult patrick Mm. that was my very good friend pierre his cat dell and matt and i went over to pierre's house and just took all there's like so many photos of matt with this cat but do you remember like this is kind of a, a tangent but um we took all the photos but we forgot to put the Patrick collar. Oh yeah. On, do you remember that? And we're like, fuck, yeah. like, cause it, it's like, like it's something that you see throughout the film, this collar. Yeah. So then we had to like Photoshop the collar into <laughs> all the photos. <laughs> we took. That was ridiculous. But yeah, that, that shot, I really wanted to have like this really ridiculous kind of close up of like this painted portrait of this cat. So yeah, we were taking photos of Dell and she was like, uh, that that cat is a long time ago, so she's passed away now. But that cat was like very like constantly bug eyed, like his eyes were always like massive. <laughs> so I just had all these photos of this cat like close up with all these like ridiculous facial expressions. But yeah, that was the one. That I'm like, yeah, that 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 photo will go for that. And then I sent it to an artist that did like a yeah, I can't remember what it was like a digital, but like oil mimicking an oil painting. And then we got it printed on, like, this special, like, canvas that made it look more like a oil painting. <laughs> and now and now that that painting lives at Matt Rivera's house, who is the composer of the film. It's just in his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, um, now the film, it has not yet been released in Japan, but there is actually two releases coming up. Yeah, so September 8th. I guess by the time this comes out, it, it's already out oh, yeah. in Japan. September 8th is a release. Awesome. Yeah. So it's got a kind of st- a standard Blu-ray and DVD release that, you know, is available on Amazon and all that sort of stuff. But it also got a very special release from our friend Eggy, who hey. we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, from Video Violence Releasing, who put out Guy's film as well. And that's like a mega release it's like two discs big booklet it's got more extras than i've ever put on anything before it's even got the doritos ads actually yes i was gonna ask about those (laughs) awesome and it's got i even tracked down like my old high school films and put some of that stuff on it so it's got a lot of stuff but unfortunately it's already sold out ah what yeah so they they did a pre-order and it sold I think it, it was limited to 300 copies and it, I, Eggy told me it like sold, I think it was, it's in the first night, first few hours it sold like 
200 and something and then it was sold out in a few days so that's gone you unfortunately can't get it um i'm only gonna have one copy of it myself as well because he and he's like no we can't we can't have any we can't give away anymore so (laughs) yeah that's gonna be a rare one but that'll definitely be i would say the best release of it nice just because there's so much on it mm. so much and eggy had to make subtitles for everything all your old student like films all the all my old short films like all this like stuff like that i would have i've never put on any releases before he made japanese subtitles for wow. all of them so yeah so pretty so crazy. we have this super awesome special box set from eggy video vice releasing and then the standard mm. which is being released by another company yeah um, this this standard one that doesn't have the short films and the the Doritos and that kind of stuff. No, it doesn't have that stuff. It's got it's got some short films on the disc, but um, yeah, not it doesn't have that extra mm-hmm. thing. It's actually the. Do you know what the what the extra disc is called, guy? Because it's called yeah. it's called something wrong, yeah. <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> The world of Dave Jackson or something like that. Oh, that's good. So I did a little podcast tie-in on it as well. Nice, nice. (laughs) Got to keep pushing that podcast, get them followers. (laughs) Not that anyone in Japan is listening to it, but... No. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, though, so we went down to Tokyo together a couple of years back Mm. for the Catsick Blue screening. That was the first time it got screened in Japan, right? Yeah. That was uh, that was quite an experience because I I didn't. This is before we had met Eggy mm. and any of these people that you know we've come to know quite well now. So when when I went down for that screening, it was part of like an all night horror kind of thing, sandwiched between all these like German splatter yeah, films. There's loads of like Olaf Itzenbar and like violent shit and stuff. <laughs> it was so weird. So I was kind of worried. Catsick Blues, it's got gore in it, but it's, I wouldn't, I don't know, it's not really like a gore film in the same way those German films are. Mm. So it's a little bit of a weird lineup, but yeah, like I was expecting it to be quite a small thing, but it was packed out. Like it was a, you know, fully, basically like sold out, you know, cinema, it's like 200 mm. people there or something like that. And uh, yeah, we did a Q&A before it, which was really awkward because it was COVID time. So there was like, <laughs> these screens between us mm. all and i just couldn't hear a thing that anyone was saying to me but that was a that was actually the fir- first time i had watched catsick blues since you know we finished it essentially like years and years and years ago and um yeah i've just i'd never watched it again so that was the first time i'd seen it in years and it was quite a yeah it was actually a really good experience it's the only time i've ever enjoyed watching the film with an audience because I really liked the way that people reacted to it. And it was kind of, like, interesting to watch because there was so much space between it. It was kind of weird. It was sort of... I knew the film so well, but it was also kind of, like, watching it for the first time. And there was a lot of things where I'm like, this is so fucking crazy. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I made this fucking ridiculous film. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was quite an interesting experience. And after watching it, it kind of changed the way I was the new film that I've been writing, I realized like it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't me enough, if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas like Cat Sick Blues, like, Oh, this is definitely my film. But yeah, my new film, I, I feel like I had to like go back and rewrite it to make it more like something that 
only I could could make. So that that was a really good experience watching that that film in Japan. It was a great experience for me as well. Just like being there with you because it was met with an extremely positive audience reaction. We kind of like ducked out as it was finishing, and then as soon as like the credits started rolling, you just heard this roar of clapping and cheering and then we kind of ducked back in and and then since then you know it's been a kind of like a, a hot film in japan it's like it's had this second life if you will you have mm. labels fighting over the rights of it um and i was thinking so you, you've always had like a, a love for japan and japanese cinema you're now living in japan and your film resonates well with japanese people so I was wondering, like, do you think there's a connection there? Do you think like your influence from the love of Japanese cinema has like bled into your own filmmaking, which then appeals to the Japanese audience? It's hard, hard to know, really. But um, yeah, like I always say when I get asked about it, just I know that the film Gozu was a big influence on this, the Mike film, mm. because I, in terms of like the humor of the film. I wanted it to be something that's like funny and scary and upsetting at the same time, not like switching between the two. So not like a typical horror comedy. So yeah, that was definitely a big influence. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know. I, I don't know how much my my love of Japanese films have bled into it. But I did find kind of not on Catsick Blues, but when I was rewatching Fever Dreams mm. for the this new release... I was like looking at some shots and I'm like, fuck, it's so obvious that I was watching a lot of Tsukamoto Shinya films at that time. Cause like the kind of shots in it, I'm like, wow, I didn't even like consciously, you know, I wasn't meaning to do this like a Tetsuo looking shot, but it is. Right. <laughs> so it's hard to know like when you're, yeah, what you're influenced by. Cause it's not always like a direct thing. It just naturally leaks into mm. the films that you make without really realizing i think yeah so i don't know may maybe but yeah it is interesting how how much how positive the reception is in japan compared to other places i was gonna say so yeah hearing or, or being there myself to witness the really positive reaction from japan and then hearing stories about when you screened it even in your own country where it wasn't in some places, so well received. How, how do how do you feel about that? I like the one I remember the most, and Matt, you were there for it. That like the screening in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Do you remember how awkward that was? <laughs> yeah, but our first screening, well, the cast and crew screening was the first one, and that I mean, of course, that's going to go really well because you've got the cast and crew there. But the second screening was at Monster Fest. Mm. Uh, 2017 was it Dave? 2016 I think yeah 2016 and that that like was was a great screening you know we had people like you, you know like a lot of people coming up to us and you know being freaked out by it and being be, you know feeling feeling dirty and wanting a shower and, mm -hmm. and uh, but really liking it and really enjoying it and the Sydney Sydney screening there was probably less people but we had more walkouts there than yeah. percentage-wise, we had more walkouts in Sydney. We probably might have had more walkouts in Melbourne, but we didn't notice because we were in a in a big cinema. That that's the main thing I remember that Sydney one. Just yeah, like not that many people there, and a lot of people, 
yeah, walking out. And then the Q&A, like, at, at the Melbourne screening was really fun and, like, upbeat. And then the Sydney one was just really fucking bleak. <laughs> just really grim. And who knows? That could just be a difference between Melbourne and Sydney. But it, it felt, <laughs> like, very grim. And I was like, oh, I do not enjoy this at all. And, yeah, then the worst reaction it had was in the UK. <laughs> so the the one screening it had in the UK like, that was when I started getting, like, really angry messages from people, like, berating me for making it. And, um, yeah, apparently a lot of walkouts and people, like, some guy who did an interview with me was telling me, like, people were, like, writing graffiti about the film and, like, the toilets and stuff. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? So, I don't know why the, the UK hated it so much in particular. In, in England, UK, it's like, I mean... Any sort of film that depicts violence towards women is pretty much hated and more often than not banned, if not just heavily cut. Um, so I can see why some British people uh, would react negatively. Um, but then I guess that goes on to my next thing, because some people just try, you know, cast this aside and label it as a misogynistic, exploitive like trash movie but then you have the other side of uh, the audience who really relate to ted's character and they can relate to his like grievance of through pet loss and i've actually seen a fan come up to you dave and and weep weep in your yeah. arms saying like how much she related to this character's pet loss which is is kind of disturbing like i i appreciate that mm. and like it is part of the film but but ted's character is a monster <laughs> like he's a, he's a terrible 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 person mm. but but i think that's part of what makes matt's performance so good is that like even though he's like this horrendous guy with a dildo on and doing all sorts of horrible shit there's some and i i feel like if we had have gone with someone else it just would not have worked like there's a innocence to to Matt, like mm. a kind of um, it's it's hard to you can't really hate Matt because mm. he's such a he he is <laughs> just sucks. he exudes like a natural I don't know a sensitivity or a kindness that even though you're watching these like horrible things you can't help but feel sympathy for him mm. in the end, which makes it I think a very uncomfortable film for a lot of people because they probably feel quite guilty for feeling sympathy for this for this guy but i think that comes from matt because if you if you imagine like if you had just like a i don't know some like terrifying actor in that role it just it it wouldn't work you'd just mm. be like oh he's just a evil guy but like having that like weird sympathy for him makes it very like mm. it's conflicting for the audience isn't it yeah that, that was a very that was a very nice thing to say dave thank you um I don't know whether it's like um, maybe I didn't do a more convincing job, but no, no. Ted is a Ted is a monster. I, um, it's basically a portrait of an incel terrorist. Yeah, you know, and that, I guess that's what uh, the confusion. It's fair enough to feel what you want. It's not a film for everyone. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't show it to uh, a lot of people. <laughs> or, you know, but there's a lot of people I would show it to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like so. It's fair. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge people for the way the feelings that they have because it's their legitimate feelings. Mm. But uh, 
I think where we're coming, where I, I, I talk, don't want to talk for Dave, but it's like he was, he wasn't, he was setting out to make a film about this monster, this misogynist, this awful, you know, abuser, and and uh, and uh, it wasn't celebrating that character, but you know, it was. That it would also was like he wanted to to paint like a full person as well, not just like the the awful stuff, but also like what what made this person that person, you know, and 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 you know, like you know, like the real relatability of uh, um, you know that pet pet loss, pet grief, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So we, yeah, I guess that's uh, going going to what you're talking about. Dave, um, but yeah, I do remember being like quite shocked by that, especially after the UK, just being like, I, I remember just being very confused by it. Mm. Of, like, I, I get it. Like, as Matt said, like people can react how they, how, however they feel, but like, it was quite confronting for me. Cause it's like getting messages from people calling me like all sorts of things. Mm. I'm just like, what? Like, but it's a film ab- about, about that but anyway that yeah that was yeah. uh quite shocking mm. for me <laughs> i think if you're receiving hate mail in any way it's like shows you're you're pushing buttons which is always a good thing to do to a certain degree get in to get a reaction out of people yeah this 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 type of film this type of uh sub genre mm. you don't want to um just have mid responses like you know mm. you know you don't want you want to yeah, you want you want like the super fans, which you know, Cassie Blues has, mm. or as Dave calls them, bloobers. Is that what you call them? <laughs> I forgot about that. Bloobers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that we did that for a while. <laughs> oh, we we came up with so much nonsense. Yeah. Like, all, all, all the like behind the scenes videos would always talk about minions. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever shown that to you guys, but like every time. We do an interview about the film, or do a film introduction. We always slip in a reference to the, the film Minions being like a very big influence <laughs> on Cassie Brilliant. <laughs> no, I've not seen that. But is it on the Japanese Blu-ray? Is there some what Minions? No, no. Your your interviews, like some sort of video, like or no? I, I don't think there's any Minions related uh, gags on on the blu-ray unfortunately all right before we finish this episode you'll have to slip in a little minion thing somewhere yeah. <laughs> a little easter a egg little easter egg so listeners listen oh, up you already have that's already slipped it in you have to go have to go back and find it oh. gotta to listen to the episode a few more times <laughs> so um it's been quite a while since the film was completed right when when was the film finished 2016 is when the yeah when the final cut of it was released right and um, and we're still having new releases coming out. How do you think it's changed and evolved over the years or and how it's been received? Yeah, I think it's just been like this weird thing of there's always like a new wave of like reaction to it, which always surprises me. So, yeah, we had the initial release in Australia, then America, and then kind of went quiet for a while, didn't really hear too much. And then in Italy screened in italy and after that i just started getting messages all the time from italians talking about the film 
And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I thought it was kind of a, I thought it was some prank at first that all these like Italian people were like sending me messages and then yeah, it screened at a few more Italian festivals then came out in Italy and it, it just seemed to have a really positive reaction there. Yeah. That was like the sort of next wave of it. Then again, it went quiet for a bit and then it went a bit crazy on TikTok mm-hmm. a few years back. Cause like some popular TikTok user did like a video about how it was like the most disturbing film she'd ever seen and that had like millions of views so then suddenly we were just like had this massive influx of interest in it again which led to the german release then it went quiet again then the japanese thing happened so i get it just it's weird how like long its life span has been Mm. um i think usually like a low budget horror film just sort of comes out few people see it then it then it's just you know, goes quiet. But yeah, Catsick Blues just keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, nine lives. <laughs> so with that, so you, you've kind of been able to get releases in many different regions. And I think this is just uh, me speaking for you, Dave, probably like a, a own personal goal is getting a Japanese release as well, which is coming out this week. But is, is there anything that with this film that you have not been able to do yet that you would like to do? A sequel? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be like another another filmmaker have a go at it? Oh, like, man. Just I, take it a completely different direction. I always thought it would be really funny to see like a big budget, like American remake of it <laughs> that just like yeah. fucks it up massively. But yeah, we, we have often talked about like joke ideas for a sequel. Sequels. I still yeah. really loved the idea. I think it was your idea, Matt, of like that meta sequel where it's like after the film has finished and your life is like ruined and you're getting forced to wear the dildo and all these like different like screening events and stuff. I do really like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't No, I don't actually want to make a sequel though. But yeah, no. in terms of things that I'd still like to achieve, I mean, a, there has been a suggestion of potentially having a, a small um, cinema release in Japan, which would just be like, that'd be the dream mm-hmm. for me. Like that would just be fucking amazing to have. Yeah. Like a, a cinema run at Japan in, in Japan. So that would be amazing if that happens, but it works in a weird way in Japan as, as you know, mm-hmm. no guy like it will, it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, but there's still, a possibility of having a cinema release after, after that. Yeah. Cause Japan just works in such bizarre ways yeah. when it comes to film releases. Mm. So I guess what to, to answer your question guy, like one thing that's semi related to it, to that is that for me, I'd be one, one of the, one of the best things about working on uh, creative projects is when you get to, to make stuff with like good friends and you're, you know, or, you know, for my, in my case, like I get to write with my wife, you know, every other day. Um, so like that feeling, I want to keep having that feeling. And it's not something I have had for a while since, you know, like I occasionally would make shorter stuff, for, you know, since Cassic Blues, but you know, and of course my, um, write, writing scripts with my wife but it's just like that that is something I, I want to keep feeling and it's something that I encourage um, listeners 
to do is to to find their their group, find their find their lot, you know, their, their mates who make stuff and and make stuff with them because it's a it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to share. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And um, Dave, I know, I mean, you're still very much involved in this film and creating new content for new releases and everything. And um, but I was wondering, Matt, how often this film gets brought up in your life or has it ever come up someone says like you're that guy who did this or like you said at the beginning if there were to be some sort of influence or impact on your other jobs from this <laughs> you know what I've, there's been some really positive stuff like and really like the, the thing with the, the the horror community which is unlike any other genre of filmmaking is that it's a very engaged community. Um, and I've got, a, I've gotten a lot of requests from like, just, you know, like people send me messages, same with Dave, like we'll get messages saying, Oh, do you, do you, do you have any props? Uh, or, you know, they would send me stuff to sign, you know, it's like, I'm just a regular dude, right? Just sitting in my k- kitchen doing copywriting work <laughs> for us, you know, some organization i'm not like a i'm no one i'm a nobody <laughs> right? but it's like someone will send me a message and say hey i'm i really love cat sick blues and i'm really into masks can you would you be up to sign a mask if i sent it to you you know and that and that's like not a one-off i've had that you know not just mask but you know other stuff where you know like people ask for things like and, uh, and, you know, or can you sign the DVD? Like when it first released on, on, uh, in Australia by uh, uh, Monster Pictures, um, I would get requests like, hey, can you sign my DVD? And then someone would send me a gift with it. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I'm just like, I'm not, you know, I just, just buy the movie. That's, that's a big enough uh, appreciation. It's all good. But yeah, that, 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 that aspect has been really positive, you know, and just like, I have run into a couple of people like, oh, you, you know, you're in that film, you know, and some, someone was really scared, um, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, not, Dave, Dave's probably got more of a, um, the other side of, uh, the reaction than I have, but, um, you know, it's just that Dave works so hard to, you know, he's very responsive to people about it. And he's always, you know, he's done a really good job in, in um, marketing it for free, you know, to the right audience. And, uh, and Dave, you mentioned briefly about your new film. I thought it would be a good thing to end uh, this episode on, uh, talking about your new film, seeing what you got planned for the future. Oh, man, I don't want to say anything about it. Though. All right, let's finish there then. <laughs> But it'll all I'll say, I, I want to make something, I've wanted to make something for ages, mm-hmm. but it, it'll be something that's shot in Japan. Uh, and yeah, like a feature length horror thing. Matt's read the script. Yeah, I've read a, read a couple of drafts. And uh, there's, in some ways, it's a bit similar to Catsick Blues, but in a lot of ways, it's like really different. I mean, similar as in like the... The, the dildos. Yeah, it's just wall to wall dildos. No, it's sort of like the... <laughs> the the horror um gore and violence and stuff that um you know like that that kind of stuff is uh, 
um, along with similar tone to Cassie Blues, but it's a it's a it's a really fun script, and I hope it gets made. And mm. I always uh, ask Dave what's 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 the next what's the status on it, and I want to come over and I want to be in it. Yeah, get you to be in it. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, just need a bucket, a few buckets of money, and then we'll be ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, any final words from both of you? Thank you for um, having me on this episode. It was nice to talk about the film. I haven't, as I said, it was the first time I'd watched it in five or six years. It was a pretty. It was good to watch it with distance, not as attached to every moment as I was, you know. Mm. Um, and I and I noticed a lot of things that I hadn't noticed before. So it was it was good to have the opportunity to watch, to watch it again. It made me. Uh, you get quite quite emotional, <laughs> even though I'm in it, and even though like I know exact every every beat, I know. Like, Did you start crying when you when you died? Yeah, I just started choking up. Like I think it was also because my my nephew's on on the screen and my brother's mm. on the screen, you know. And it's just like and the music, and it's like, what am I doing? I know how this goes. This is that's me on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm the same. Like watching it again, I. I got quite emotional because um, for me, it's more like the stuff that shot in my grandma's house, which is Ted's house. Mm. And, you know, she, she was alive when we filmed that. She's not, she passed away and that house doesn't even exist anymore. That got pulled down. So yeah, for me, it's like, uh, that's quite emotional to see, to see that. And it is, you know, that's the house that my, my mum grew up in, my auntie and my uncle grew up in that house. So it, it's also quite, it's a film, but it's also this nice, um, like, document as well of a, of a certain time. So, yeah, I think I've got a lot of those kind of memories attached to it as well, which is it's very nice. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks for coming on, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. We did much less uh, cum jokes than usual. Maybe I'm uh, I'm uh, making this like classing up the the podcast for you. Come yeah. on, mate, bar up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Japanese release of Casting Blues is coming out in a few days, and I know there's a ton of very loyal collectors that are literally purchasing every single edition of this film mm. that comes out. Um, so that is definitely one to look out for the box set with all the Dorito goodness unfortunately has sold out but who knows it might come online secondhand at some point but regardless the new one the standard that is also coming out I think that has some pretty awesome artwork does it not Dave? I think we're finally using a poster taken by our friend Lucas Haynes that I've, mm. I've always wanted to have as, as the cover I think that'll be the cover but I'm not 100% sure right yeah, you have to see. Either way, cool. for all those what bloobers out there, <laughs> there's another new awesome release that adds to your Cassie Blues collection. And with that, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you all for listening, Matt. Thank you very much for coming on the show once again. Anytime. And Dave, I'll see you in a little bit for a couple of drinks. <laughs> Find us on X. Find us on X. <laughs> on X. Oh, we love X. <laughs> SMSW yeah. podcast. Big, 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 uh, X. Big, big Elon heads here. Yeah, we're, 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 we're a bunch of Elon heads. Elon convention. And you can also <laughs> send us an email at wrong at gmail.com.
See you next time. See ya. Thanks for having me. Bye. Minions. Bye.